unsolved melodies. Podcast, calling off the intro. Calling off the intro. Calling off the podcast. Wow. I hope that's going to go. That's going to be a beautiful <laughs> that's sound for all the ladies sound and gentlemen listening. Amazing. That was his cat dying. <laughs> wow. I have a lot of cat hair on my feet. Wow. And I even swept and mopped today. That's what it's like. And you didn't want me to clean. Well, I had a show this past week. My first show in four years. How did it go? It's terrible. How did you feel? I felt fine. <laughs> was it really terrible? No, it wasn't terrible at all. It's like, it way better than I expected. Okay. Um, I am lucky enough to play with an incredible, an incredible group of people. I feel like that's so cliche, but it's true. I just put together very haphazardly a group of um, people: Sasha, Emma, Fred, Sean, Keep Devin. Sorry. And uh and yeah, it went whoa, it went really it went really well. I got we had a videographer there, so we got to watch everything back and Do you find that painful? No. Watching yourself I was like that was the one thing I hated the most was watching myself on tape. That was like just I'd rather have hot spoons dug into my eyes. Yeah. No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Um no, I mean it was just um it was good, and it was just funny, and they introduced me as the president of the charity that I run, and that was a bit awkward, but because um, then afterwards I had people coming up and asking me about dogs and stuff. Um, but yeah, that was basically, uh, it was a good first show, and now we're playing another show on the 4th at The Painted Lady. Ah, yes. I haven't played there since my album release show many years ago, where the sound cut off during my set. Oh, really? In front of a packed crowd. Um, I'm sure that won't happen again. That was a one-off thing. But uh, so we're rehearsing and just kind of like getting it down. It's a bigger band for a small stage. So like I don't, I can't really do a lot on stage. So I just kind of like raise my hands, put my hands down. <laughs> <raise> my hands. <laughs> Jesus Christ pose. Yeah, Jesus Christ pose. I'm sorceress. And uh, and yeah, so, uh, so um, our first podcast is already on Spotify and Google Play. And all those other places. So it was really fast. Wherever you find your favorite podcast. I don't think wherever, but like almost. Um, one of my followers named the podcast Unsolved Melodies after Unsolved Mysteries. Mm-hmm. And uh, We're not going to get sued for that, I hope. <laughs> I don't, I don't we'll find out. I got lawyers. It's I got a lawyers. very suey time right now. Everyone's suing each other for I everything. believe the word is litigious. Uh, big shout out to Mary Ellen. Uh, she said we made her laugh so hard she woke up her dog. So there's that. Um, and yeah, we were just kind of talking about uh, creativity and giving things time to grow, which I think is something 
that I struggle with because I want it all and I want it right now. Yep. It's got to happen right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so earlier this year, I went through, how do you say, like a schism? A schism? Schism. Didn't think you were going to pull that one. I'm not sure the show can afford that kind of budget for those kind of words. I'm Catholic. I can use the word. Okay. I was raised Catholic anyways. Uh, I went to Catholic school. Uh, I went through some type of change. I wasn't doing anything creative for years. Mm-hmm. But I've always been a creative person. Validate me. and uh so i decided big change is happening in my life lots of drama and uh so started an instagram account for late july started working on music and i thought i feel stupid i feel like i'm starting over i constantly feel like i'm too old because in the music industry you're told i remember being told when i was 18 that i was like over mm-hmm. and uh, for guys i think it's like 25 you get to be get 25, 25. And, then, and then you get then you're, you're done then you're, you're done, done kid you'll never work in this town again <laughs> um so so yeah so i felt really stupid but I, I remember having a conversation with you and i said like i'm just gonna give this a year and i'm just gonna be really consistent right put out a song once a month post the dumbest photos once a day mm-hmm. and see what happens right and so six month check in. Six month check in. I'm super famous, incredibly wealthy. Yeah. Living in Los Angeles. Obviously. Uh, manifested all of my wildest dreams. Yeah. Maybe. Hashtag the secret, everybody. Hashtag blessed motherfucker. <laughs> uh, so maybe like that, like that, but like dialed back like 10 notches. Wow. Only 10, eh? Okay. That's. <laughs> I'm, that's still very not impressive. living in LA full time, traveling to LA, um, working on music, getting like decent response, decent. My my Spotify plays aren't, aren't there, and you know I have eighty thousand Instagram followers. Right? Do you have like fans. a goal in mind? Like, what would do you know what like defines? I feel like this was a success. For I you? think I just need to beat. Kim Kardashian at whatever she's doing okay. in order to achieve my goals. All right. What's your timeline for <laughs> Kim Kardashian it? No, kidding. Uh, no, I don't have a goal. I'm like shocked. I'm genuinely shocked I have that many people following me. Okay. And like hundreds of comments and messages and like, sure, it's weird stuff. And sure, it's because I have red hair. And But there are people who actually like go on my Instagram and like listen to my music or read what I write. I would say like. Thirty percent of the people probably read what I write in the caption. Okay, um, but I think it's to say this bigger picture that when you have something you want to achieve, like you have to give it time and you have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, you'll just never get into that flow of things, and it's right. not easy to be consistent. Right. Like taking a photo of myself every day really sucks. Does it suck? Yeah. Like you don't like doing it. Not every day. I, I mean, it, to be honest, when I look at those photographs, I'm not on Instagram. Hashtag I hate Instagram. <laughs> hashtag sorry, everybody. But right. uh, when I do see your photos, I'm like, damn, I'm just looking at your face and going that damn. all that makeup that took a long time. All the hair <laughs> it took a long time. You think I'm wearing that much makeup? No, no, no. I'm not. <laughs> like, I don't wear any makeup. Hello. Okay. Okay. So for me, I know how long it takes to do that kind of stuff. How Whoa. long it takes to do your hair. It takes me five minutes, but yeah. What? Yeah. Okay, well, then you're super fast. I'm going to say something weird. I was going, I have a private Instagram account with 6,000 photos that goes back to the day that Instagram started, basically. I was an early adapter. Okay, when when does, when is that? 2010, 2011. Okay, that's like almost 10 years ago. 6,000 photos. (sighs) 6,000. And I was going through them yesterday. I don't know why. I can't remember. Anyway, I was going through them. And I look so different year to year. My face looks different. Yeah. My hair looks different. Yeah. I look like I've had plastic surgery now. Like you had it now. I feel like I look at photos of myself from like this year. I look at photos of myself from maybe this time last year or the year before. It looks like I've had plastic surgery. Okay. And I don't know if it's because like, I'm healthier now, or I'm, I'm yeah, in that's a better weird that you place. Would equate healthiness with looking no, like but you I just had like I look surgery. I look so much better, yeah. and healthier because if you've known me in like the last couple of years, I was like 95 pounds, very gaunt looking, um, 
you know, health issues to do with like um, my pituitary and all this stuff. So it's in, now that I'm on, you know, treatment for having a life-threatening illness, which we can talk about later. But I just, I like, look, I'm like, my lips look fuller. My face looks fuller. Like, I just look. Oh, I see what you're saying. Like, even like younger. Yeah. Like, it's weird. You do look younger. I look younger than I did five years ago. Yeah, for sure. So, and I wonder how much of that has to do with health and how much of that has to do with personal happiness. Uh, yeah, well, then I guess the question is, how are those, uh, are those uh, mutually exclusive too, right? The people that I've met in the music uh, music industry or the creative field age very differently than your day-to-day person. Okay. And you think like, oh, it's because they're like a movie star or they play in this big rock band. And you, you know some of the people that I'm referring to. And they're like in their like 40s and 50s. And I, I sit down, like have coffee with them. And I just like stare at them and I'm just like, you look so young. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's that they've had work done. And these are men in particular that I'm talking about. I don't think it's that they've had work done, but I think that two of the individuals that I'm thinking of have been pursuing their life's passion their entire life. They've mm-hmm. never had another job outside of making movies, doing music, doing right. something creative. Yep. And I wonder that if you pursue you know, your authentic self and what you're really drawn to, if it ages you differently. Uh, well, I mean, I have, I have lots of, uh, you know, conflicting thoughts about that. Cause I know you have, okay. So they're those people that, you know, they're probably responding to this fact that they are living, you know, in this way that they're chasing something they really believe in, they have a sense of purpose. But on the other hand, a lot of people are doing that are also addicted to drugs or addicted to everything and are really unhappy despite all that. Or you have the people who are very successful mm-hmm. and can afford personal trainers and working out six days a week, right. and the most healthy food available right. to mankind. You know, so there's all these different factors. I don't know. I, I would I would hesitate to ever look at someone in the entertainment business and go, "You're the way you look is a result of your." Well, okay, so I'm, I'm speaking from personal experiences with people I personally know. Yeah, and I just think that there is. I think that people age differently when they're living authentically. I think it did. Like, I think I look at those photos from years ago when I was working at, I don't know, an ad agency or whatever, and I look so unhappy. I might be smiling in the photo, but like, I don't know. I just think I'm happier now. I'm doing the two things that I care about most in life, which mm-hmm. is music and dogs. And I look so much better. I don't know. I just think that it, that is correlated. I think you look quite young for your age. Yeah, but I'm not. Well, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I yeah. Well, <laughs> but could you imagine, like, if you're working? At well, I don't ins- have to imagine that. <laughs> I don't have to imagine that it, at an insurance company and commuting two or four, I'm three just, hours all a day. I'm saying like, is it I all don't wears think, on you I don't physically. think that's like a uh, just because someone's following what they should be doing. Like, look at comedians; they're definitely doing. They're living their authentic self. Yeah, but they're also throwing themselves to the wolves every night in such a you don't think that way. artists who perform their work and do really like no, not in the way that co- comedians. I could sing a song about wolves. I don't know. I'm going to write a song about wolves tonight. By the way, okay. And then my favorite comedian Neil Brennan could go and do a bit and be like, you know, the crazy thing about wolves is dot dot dot. Right. And then all of a sudden, wolvesadvocates.org are, are you know attacking him. It's a very hard. It's always been very hard to be funny. I think to me, it's the highest art form is to make people laugh. Really? But I also think it is uh, very difficult in today's world where everything can be looked up. Everything can be challenged. There's always, I think that every time a comedian goes on stage, they're really putting themselves out there. Sure. But I mean, you look at someone like Mark Maron, right? So now a lot of the conversations he has with comedians are around this very topic. Right. Are you supposed to be a comedian in an age when everyone's sitting on their phones during your show waiting for you to screw up? In but the times you. that Mark Maron was in the worst spots in his life was back in the 80s when he was doing Blow and 90s, all the yeah, other stuff, yeah. right? Like, it's not like that caused him to be unhappy. No. Or that made his life difficult. Like, it's always challenging to go up there and try out the material and and bomb. And I mean, that's kind of what all comedians talk about is in order to get good, you have to bomb for years. But I don't think that's really any different than going out and playing a freaking show 
in the in like you know Nipissing for like three peoples and you, ashtrays. Like you, that's you, the same kind of like soul crushing stuff that an artist. You're chasing people's emotions in a very in different. Cases. In in the case of a comedian, you're trying to get people to emote a specific emotion, which is laughter. Okay. I don't know if laughter is an emotion. I don't know any other art form where you are targeting a response. Films, TV, they're both they're, applause. It's all about emotions. But if you don't have you're emotions, you're live in, a, in the moment. Think of what live in the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like I could play a sad song, but I'm not expecting everyone in the room to start crying. Yeah, but you want them to have some sort of an emotion. Right? Yeah, you want them to have some, but I, but I'm not trying to elicit a specific emotion. Okay, so you've never gone out and played a show where people were just like, Pfft. yeah, every show. <laughs> okay, well, so there you go. So it's, I, I would argue it's the same thing. You think it's the same thing? I think that comedians. It's, it's not like it's not like apples to apples, but I think it's a very. I think you're both in both cases. You're taking something that is really personal, very close to your heart, that means a lot, and is this like special little thing that you you have inside you, right? And you're then crafting it in private and doing all these things by yourself in a very like personal uh almost sacred kind of way and then mm. you're taking it onto the stage and you're ripping your your whole all your clothes off in front of an audience and going okay here it is love mm-hmm. it or hate it mm-hmm. i don't know like i mean isn't that the source of every artist's uh like doubt is yeah if you just did things in your basement and, and no one ever heard it it doesn't matter. But the minute you put it in front of someone, it doesn't matter if they're there in front of you or not. It, you can put it on Spotify and you're just wondering like, oh, it's the view counts because people hate it or what? Like, you know. I think you have to have a tremendously thick outer shell of a human being to be an active comic. I agree. I think it is so hard and so admirable and i'm a huge comedy fan if i was funny i'd be a comedian but i think i'd probably kill myself (laughs) after one of the shows because it's so brutal and i mean we won't go into like woman in comedy but um trevor noah he's the host of the tonight show late tonight later show whatever one of those night shows are i remember listening to an interview with him and he just basically moved to new york and was just Every night he was on stage. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. And I think that brings it back where you have to be consistent and you have to keep putting yourself out there, putting yourself out there. And like, you have a good night, you have a bad night, you have a bad week, you have a bad month, you have a bad year, but you still go back on stage. Wow. That was like, I don't know if that's not a segue. It's like you brought it back to the original conversation with like a reverse, like a, a boomer segue. Yeah. A boomerang. boomer segue. Which is great. So what I want to know is why did you choose a year? Because to me, that's... Like if I, what my my wife did this thing for a while, which and I sort of joined her on a few things, but they were mm-hmm. like month long challenges. Like right. I'll be vegan for a month, or I'm going to try and like run every day for like five kilometers for a month. Right. It was like just to try. It's like it's more than dipping your toes in. It's like past that threshold of two weeks where it becomes a habit, and you kind of know why a year. Well, I think there's science behind it. Um, you know, like they said, like you should never make a commitment or a goal out of fear or regret. You have your highest chances of failing your goal if you're coming from a place of fear or regret. Huh. So that I thought that was interesting. I think it's like some people, it's like 40 days or 60 days. There's like certain... To what? To, to either achieving something or quitting something. But the, it takes a while for us to train our brains to to keep going. <laughs> and I'm just laughing, like training my brain to take a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but training, you know, so to give it a year, I thought in this very dark moment where I had cataclysmic series of events happen within, I think, like three days, I thought gonna get through this mm-hmm. it's gonna be okay <laughs> yeah i need to steer my life in the direction that i need it to go in and let's give it a year and come back to this date and i have a specific date in mind and see where you are right so when you're like because you did this you're doing this with your music writing slash 
production output slash performance mm-hmm. career. Right? I'm doing it with every part of my life. So every, you've given everything here and then you're <laughs> quit it all. And you're just going to be like, I'm in stasis. I'm going into a coma now. I'm not doing anything. The year previous to this year, 2018, I spent in the hospital thinking I wasn't going to live. Right. <laughs> like, so I was in and out of hospital. Did, they didn't know what was wrong with me. I didn't think I was going to live. I felt like I was dying. Turns out I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not fixable, but it's treatable. So, But when you're in that space on your bl- bathroom floor every day, uh, the only thing, the only thing, I'm like, if I die, like, what am I going to regret? And it wasn't like, I'm not going to have kids and I'm never going to see my grandchildren and I'm not going to ever own a house. And it was like, I'm never going to get back to Los Angeles again. I'm never going to make music again. I'm never going to learn how to paint, just something that was like really important to me for some reason. Um, so, so I, I kind of got that second chance and then, and then a series of really, uh, crazy things happened. So I think it was like good, good for me to say like in this moment, like somebody in my position could have easily have let everything go, Mm -hmm. uh, and interpret that which way you will. Uh, I, I could have just walked away from my life. Right. This past winter, I could have just been like, "Well, that's done." <laughs> and instead, I th- I thought, "Let's let's pin the light at the end of this tunnel for a year from now and see what life is going to look like when you're standing in that light." Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see, and I'm <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm still here and still going. Right. Uh, and I'm impressed that I'm still coming up with like new pr- fun projects to like you know. Um, this podcast or that I've learned how to paint uh, or that I've put out four, five songs. I'm playing shows. I'm playing an industry showcase. I'm making a short film. I'm doing things that I just never thought I was ever going to be able to do mm-hmm. without the pressure of expecting them to be good. How does it feel now that you're six months into it? It feels right. Okay. It feels like this Easier, was- more difficult? Is it- Less fun, more fun? I think it's the only fun I have okay. in my life right now is creating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's the only fun I have right now. And uh, going into like the fall and the winter, it'll be different. Um, but I feel like it's the right thing for me. And it was the healthiest thing I could do given the turbulence of the situation that I was in and still coming out of, like it's not something obviously I can resolve um, quickly. Um, And it's a multifaceted thing. Like there was just multiple, (laughs) multiple catastrophic things that happened that I can laugh about now um, and still going through them, but use art and creativity as a way to navigate myself to a saner place and navigate myself to a place that I've always wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. But if I told myself when I was 16, what I was doing now, she would be like, fuck yeah, Nicole. <laughs> and I think that's always really important that I like impress, you know, the late July of, uh, you know, when I was in grade 10. Right. And even even the late July when I was five years old, she'd be so stoked about all the stuff I'm doing right now. And I think that's really cool. I don't, do you feel that about yourself? Like your teenage self or your kid self would be like, good job, Adrian. I find it really hard to imagine that. I mean, I suppose that if I, like, I had such a different idea during different stages growing up of what what I was going to be doing or what I wanted to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I don't know whether, like, let's say 15-year-old self who wanted to be, like, a heavy metal rock star. Mm -hmm. If he saw this and what I was doing now, I don't know. I could split the difference between cool or this. Really? That's (laughs) it? Okay. But at least you're not, you're still doing music. Oh, I'm happy with it now. Like, I'm super happy. Yeah. And that's the weird thing for me. This has never been a question about give it a year. It's been, I decided to do this in 2004, and I can't not do this. Like, this is all I can do. Like, I can't, like, it's either this or I have to go to Tim Horton's lineup to get it and buy it for all your American listeners. That's the shitty coffee that Canadians all seem to like. Uh, I'd have to go into a lineup and go be a sling uh, coffee until I could get back into doing this. Like, I wouldn't let my life collapse because I couldn't be doing music, yeah, but there's yeah. nothing else I'm going to be doing. I feel that I just hit that point 
I've hit that, you hit that point of no return when you've pursued something so aggressively. Yeah. And I've pursued this aggressively, but it's been very on and off and very much my creativity uh, dies when I get into relationships. You know, <laughs> I I get that. And that's one of the reasons why I think I don't really, I don't make my own music and I don't really put out albums or write lyrics because happy happiness is a... Is kind of the antithesis. Oh, I of didn't like, say anything about happiness. <laughs> well, I, but I mean, I think at least that's true for me. Is like I, I feel I wrote lyrics and wrote in my journal and like put out a lot of uh, what I would call like artistic kind of process stuff, as opposed to like what I normally do, which I think is more like artisanal, creative facilitation kind of stuff. Right. You know, where I'm not, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of like arm's length from the actual emotional right. aspect of it. I do think that's true, though. I think a lot of artists get into relationships and even if it's not happy i mean you get that you're something gets satisfied i don't know it's i different. figured it out you figured it I out i figured it out this past week there's a a gentleman by the name of mark groves okay he's a i don't know communications relationships communications expert this guy out of uh he's out of vancouver um and i was listening to a lot of his podcasts and he was talking about what a um a secure relationship is right and he was saying a secure relationship is basically when two people have their own lives and then they have their relationship yeah i've never had a secure relationship okay because i've always i haven't had many relationships but i've the relationships that i've been in it's always become this like blob <laughs> of relationship we just the lot everything gets intertwined and then i end up giving pieces of myself to complete someone else which you know is weird especially in terms of what we're talking about here <clears throat> which is music and creativity because so many songs mm -hmm. idolize and mythologize that kind of relationship mm -hmm. like a piece of you or completing somebody else or being completed by somebody else like essentially most love songs are you know longing for a really codependent relationship <laughs> don't you think uh, or, or or just like saying this is so fucked up or saying, wow, this really sucks not having something. I feel like a lot of my songs are like, I don't know what's going on. Right. Like, And I feel like that, that, like the unrequited love, I think would be if you go through all of my songs, it, it would be a common theme. But I think I'm, I'm a complete person and mm -hmm. I don't want to ever be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't see themselves as complete. Right. But also that they don't see that they always have ability to grow. Right. Which is kind of a little bit hypocritical. Um, no, I, think, I don't think that's hypocritical at all. But I think like somebody who has like their own sense of agency who's like, hey, LJ, you do you, girl. Yeah. I do. Like, I would literally be okay being in a long-term relationship with somebody and we had our own houses. <laughs> yeah, there's been lots of successful relationships, especially amongst artists, like... Yeah, like I, I really Kahlo need. Was one with, uh, oh, interesting. What's her name? What's his name? They had a house. They had they had separate houses that were literally a house apart, and they had a bridge oh, that connected cool. the two houses. And they would meet for breakfast or lunch in the center of that yeah. bridge. So there was always like this this disconnect and togetherness as well. Did they have kids. I don't think they ever did. No, I'm gonna be worried for kids. Sleeping at mom's tonight. <laughs> tap 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 over the bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I definitely. I mean, maybe. I just think that people need their own space and this idea that we have to like become one person when we're in a relationship, I think is a bit cuckoo. Oh, or even that all relationships are built the same and you're supposed to like that someone would look at that relationship or someone who practiced polygamy or something like that and go, oh, that's just wrong and bad. And it's like, well, no, that works. I for think you mean polyamory. That's uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I meant polygamy. God damn it. <laughs> I mean, if you're Mormon, you're into that kind of if thing, you're a Mormon, well, sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I have friends who practice polyamory and uh, I mean, different strokes for different folks. But going back to the creativity thing, I just know that if I'm in a relationship with somebody and I'm not being creative anymore, I need to get out. Yeah, that seems like a pretty, um, that seems like a pretty good. And I don't think I could ever be with somebody who wasn't creative. I spent the last decade with people who were not creative or not artists. Was it you that said one time, like when singers 
and singer-songwriters date each other? They just spend time in separate rooms writing passive-aggressive songs about each other? No, but I can totally see that. <laughs> I could, I, yeah, I haven't really dated musicians. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that, um, I think codependency in artists is like a real thing. And it's something that you said like is celebrated. But I think you have to give your space to do your own stuff because uh, I just can't afford to like lose any more years to just being in being somebody's girlfriend. Do you worry that let's just I worry all the time. <laughs> do you worry that like if you were in a relationship where you were like let's imagine this perfect relationship that you Okay. Yep. Do you worry that it that somehow that sense of, you know, uh s- solid foundation under your feet and feeling good and like comfortable would that affect your art because I think a lot of what makes uh, especially music appealing to people is because they feel a sense of um, they, they like it resonates with them because the artist is talking about some pain that they feel right. So the, a great artist can somehow express that in a poetic way, but also be very like open and honest about things in a, in a poetic way. And then people go, I, I know how that feels. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, my life is so great. I feel so comfortable. Maybe I'll go and get some, some Netflix ice cream, yeah, ice you know, whatever cream. it's going to be. No. And it's like, ah, oh, I, I, and there are some people who write songs like that. They just, they're very fine and everything is good. And usually they're trying, they start, you know what happens? They start to get preachy and very like, I, I found the light and I, I'm going to soak way. up the sun. Yeah. No, I don't think so because I don't really write directly. I'm not like, dear John, the song is for you. Like, and I think it's very abstract. Like the song that I played last week, Broken Cigarettes, and the song, I wrote it the same way, Confetti, Mm -hmm. was just me going through photos. So you're more like a film director who like gets inspiration from a story and then you're almost like acting out a part. Yeah, or I'll watch a movie and I'll I'll write about like things I liked about the characters or like a scene or something. Like there's always been like cinematic, like there's always that motion in my head that I'm trying to trying to convey i'm never um i'm never very good at like documenting stuff that's going on in my life via song Mm. i like to be abstract even to the times that i might write about a relationship i'll like write a little bit about this relationship and then a little bit about that and like it and i'm put it into like one song right and then people will listen to it because i've definitely had exes try to like go through my songs to be like, I wonder if it's about me. I wonder if it's about me. Yeah. Well, that's going to be hard to not, uh, for people not to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Um, and so, and so, yeah. So I just kind of like write what inspires me. So I don't think if I, if I found like the, the ideal partner who's creative and film and music and, uh, he's like the greatest guy, and he and he has his own dogs, and I have my own dogs. And those dogs and those have dogs their own houses. Have and their they- own houses <laughs> and bridges to their houses. Bridges to their houses. Um, it is really funny because I posted on Instagram something about like finding a guy who would let me watch Boondock Saints as much as I want and has green eyes in the record collection, and people were like going through and they're like, "Well, I don't have green eyes." I do like the Boondock Saints, but I don't have a final. <laughs> There's like all these people like almost comment- like real estate agents. <laughs> yeah. They're like this. How well you might find the main bedroom a little small, but it's made up for by a very spacious living room. This is really funny, and I just kept saying like, "Thank you for playing." Yes, uh, try. That's again. what I was looking for. Thank you for playing. Yeah. It was just it was it was you know I don't see why we should like I don't talk about it all the time, but if I talk about like you know I have a cute picture and I'm just like smiling thinking about green-eyed guys who have record collections and like dogs and boondock saints and whatever i don't see why it's such a big deal to post that They're like oh, that was like so cheesy you're so thirsty and i'm like i'm a songwriter i write about relationships i can have an instagram post where i'm just like the <laughs> yeah and now we've thoroughly entered a, ca- a category of human life that i know very little about <laughs> it's just funny it's just people like trying to sell themselves to me like they're like I got like three out of four, but you got blamed for it. You're there. They're like that was lame on your behalf. Nobody put together that the green eyed thing is because I have red hair, yeah. which is two percent of the world's population. Right, and green eyes are, are really rare. Are and together, t- you make Christmas. <laughs> and together, we make Christmas. Green eyes are two percent of the world's population. Yeah, 
So, so you're really looking for I'm looking for a statistical dude. match. You're like it's the practical magic. It's like pra- uh, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> I totally was thinking about that. Yeah, well, uh, Aiden Quinn from Practical Magic. Right. But he was he had heterochromia. I'm not being that specific. I would percent of the world's population plus a record collection. <laughs> I think I think one of my exes had partial <clears throat> heterochromia. All right. Like a corner of his eye was green. But it wasn't the whole thing. So it wasn't like, the whole thing. So no deal. Sorry, no buddy. deal. Yeah, no. I just thought it was funny, and uh, that's really funny that you pick up Practical Magic because people mention that movie to me every week. They're like, "You're like Nicole Kidman from Practical Magic," and okay, why do they say that? Because I'm a redhead. Yeah, but you don't drink like a. I could fish. I challenge you to rewatch that movie and parallel it with some of the stuff you know about my personal life. Yeah, okay. Well. Never killed a man. Never tried well, to bring now a corpse opened, back to now life. Now you've opened spec- the speculation <laughs> for that one to begin. Where's the rosebush under which you have buried some crazy You really know this movie. It's Susanna's favorite movie. Okay. You've watched it a lot. Oh, it's the best movie. I want to live in that house. Yeah. I, I don't mind that movie. I'm, I'm pretty fond of it. I don't think I'd watch it as much as Susanna wants to watch it, but. <laughs> I'll still watch it pretty much. Well, I'm just saying rewatch it and then think of me when you're watching yeah, okay, it. You'll be enough. like Fair enough. Okay. Uh what what uh, new song have you been listening to this week? Oh shoot. Why don't you go first? Because I uh have to look it up. Because <laughs> you have to look it up. And I have to turn my airplane mode off so I can look it up. I have a song that is by a UK band called Favela. Favela. Which reminds Isn't me of that a like, type of bean? I was just going to say it reminds me. Oh, no, that's me. a neighborhood. A favela is like a neighborhood. A favela. Favela. Oh, actually, we shouldn't get into that. <laughs> Never uh, mind. And it's a song called Easy Yoke. Easy Yoke. So I feel like when you see the band's name, you think of beans. Yep. And then you see the song title, you think of, I'd like my yokes done easy. Um, anyway, this is like one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard. It came out four or five years ago. Uh, it's not a super popular song. Um, but sometimes I, I'm wondering if I like this song so much because of when I started listening to it was I was on a, a, a train platform <clears throat> on the Pacific Pacific Railway in Solana Beach. It was the last time I would see my lovely aunt alive. She um, passed away from cancer after that. And I remember boarding the train and listening to the song over and over again, going from Solana Beach up to Los Angeles. And uh, it just has this really kind of uh, just kind of epic sounding, very cinematic, um, almost sounds like some type of Asian strings. I, don't, I was going to ask you if you knew what, it, what those strings were, but you haven't heard it, so you can't tell me. Uh, nope. Asian string cheese. Asian string cheese. Uh, and just great writing. Oh, somebody just messaged me. La, la, la. Uh, great writing. Um, as I watch those words fall heavy from your mouth, they hit the ground with a shuddering sound, and I'll keep on driving down the road past your market hall of fakest of pedestals. Wow. Yeah. And then if I'm on the road, can it be a signpost to you? I don't know why I like that line so much, but it's a good one. It is a good one. So it's called Easy Yoke by Favela. I don't know where I'd post this, but I've posted on my Instagram stories probably like a hundred times. There you go. And I'd still listen to that local native song all week over and over again when I'm, when I'm going to lose you. Yeah. Do we have show notes for this show? Because we should have show we notes. Should. We should. I don't know where to put, put them. Show notes. There should be a thing. So my saw my well my piece for this uh, for this week. Michael Nyman, N Y M A N, probably best known for doing the music for the piano, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of contemporary uh, classical composer, which is always sort of a weird terminology because it's not really classical music. Because classical refers to a period of music, but everyone calls everything that's not like rock, pop, or elsewhere classical music. So wrote this wonderful piece called Fish Beach and. I Fish Beach. You should just look it up and listen to it and enjoy it because it's sort of in the um, uh, the minimalist tradition, if that can be called the tradition, sort of like uh, you know Steve Reich, 
uh, and uh, Philip Glass. So very sort of repeating figures, but just such a lovely melody and such and, and interesting harmonies changes. Again, that's sort of my favorite thing is these harmonies that make me feel things. See, he's just like a he's like a comedian. I feel he's like making you're me feel so much things. On like the sonic side, and I'm just like lurks, lurks. Yep. You can tell which one of us is the songwriter. Uh, we both know my good friend Michael McGuffin, and I met Michael the Guff like over ten years ago. The way we met, he was uh, auditioning for a position in our house. <laughs> a, a can I be your roommate? Oh, fun! fun. And uh, so he showed up, and he didn't leave for four hours because we ended up sitting in the kitchen talking. And that's the first time I ever met Michael. Anyways, until I met Michael, I never listened to song lyrics. Like, and I was like twenty four. What is wrong time. with you? That's not ten years ago. That's more than ten years ago. I have a, I have an ex boyfriend. Oh who's man, like that, Michael and never I never listens to song lyrics. Yeah, and I was always like, "How?" And he's like, "I just never listened to it." And I'm like, yeah. "Did you know the song was about that?" And he's like, "No idea." No idea. I was like, "They're like just into the vibe." That's another fun topic. Is like song uh, lyric, uh, like what lyrics are about that people get terribly, terribly wrong. <laughs> you know, some uh, of the favorite, like famous ones, like. Uh. I'm not, I'm drawing a blank. Like there's that that song by the Boomtown Rats called uh, Mondays. I don't know why. I don't like Mondays. I don't know why. Don't like Mondays. Like an 80s song. It's all about uh, Boomtown. Are mass- you talking about the Bangles? No, nope, Boomtown Rats. It's a famous 80s song, man. You got to get up in 80s stuff. And then uh, there's uh, Pumped Up Kicks by Foster the People, which well, that's is about, about school shootings. shootings. Yeah, they got that song pulled. You know what's so weird though for me, and I find this with a lot of music is that lyrical content and harmonic setting doesn't match. And that's like a great example. Foster the People and Pumped Up Kicks. What about the, when they pulled after Hurricane Katrina, um, the hip song, New Orleans is Sinking? Sinking? Yeah. Did they really? They pulled it from the radio. Oish. Okay. And people were dying. But. I mean. I don't know what he meant by that. Uh, well, you could, yeah, I, I actually looked up those lyrics a while back. Um, I, he's kind of the same way as you in a way. Well, he has a lot of different images and a lot of different, so like, here's a little vignette of something. Here's a little vignette. Yeah, sort of like goes, a collage. No, 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 no. I don't know. I think that kind of stuff, like, if you, if you wrote a song about how stupid people that worked at, you know, uh, the World Trade Center and how much you hated bankers and you specifically like targeted them. And then that was coming out right after September 11th. I could kind of see how that might get. I feel like they pulled, pulled a bunch of songs. Oh, they pulled a ton of songs. They pulled a ton of songs after. But just because something refers to something in a metaphorical way that has nothing to do with the songs about it. Mean, New Orleans or, is not a geographically sound place to be. <laughs> I wouldn't now be you're investing in property well, yeah, but I, in I New Orleans A lot of people that right live now. in those uh, geographically it's gorgeous. unsound. I would like to be there right now, yeah. uh, but I won't. Yeah. And um, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll check out that song. What was the name again? Fish Beach by Michael Nyman. I just like the name. Fish, fish Beach. Beach. It's like Ocean Beach. <laughs> well, no. I mean, typically fish aren't Sand on the beach. beach. They're in the water. So really you're thinking, oh, that's odd because the fish is not supposed to be on the beach. Do you think there's a place called Water Beach? Water Beach? Yeah. Uh, Maybe. Probably. 100%. Yeah. Sandy Beach for sure. Sandy Beach. Water Beach. Fish Beach. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You you got some questions? I got Uh, got some questions. uh, What book changed your life? A Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius by Dave Eggers. Uh, Okay. Brief synopsis. And why did it change your life? (laughs) It was a dramedy. It was about his mom dying of cancer. And it was funny. Mm. Did you ever read Running with Scissors? Who's that by? Oh, I don't remember right now. It got made into a movie, but the the, the, the book is amazing. I Yeah, I would say that and Beautiful Losers by Leonard Cohen. Because I just didn't know you could write books that way. They, okay. Both those books were written in a very, I mean, obviously Cohen's book was very poetic and it was very metaphorical and Catherine Tekanakwa and all that. And then Edgar's book was very, I don't know, it was just written very differently. I'm not, 
I never studied it in university, but it was just written in a very um, almost stream of conscious way. Mm. And I like that, but I don't like William S. Burroughs. Don't like William S. Burroughs. I tried to read Ulysses by James Joyce. Mm-hmm. Baby Tucku and Portrait of a Young Man as an Artist. That's no, I couldn't do that. Couldn't do it. No, I was confused. Do you ever feel guilty about that when you like try to read a book that everyone says is like, you got to read this book, and you're just like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. I'm just not a reader. I do Audible. I I can't read. My brain is broken at this point in my life, so I just listen to stuff. Well, sure. I mean, whether you take it in by reading it or or listening to it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't have a lot of people in my life that recommend books. So the I knew I had one friend, and she has like wall to wall books, right? And her books are just books I would never read, like a lot of like fantasy and superhero and nerd stuff that I would never nerd stuff. I don't nerd. You don't nerd. No. What's a what's a uh, thing in your life, like a product or an a, an object that you cannot live without? An object that I can't live without. Yeah. My... Like something that's just like this. This does so much for me. <laughs> My king size bed. There you go. I have a king size bed with eight pillows. Is it like one of those like two comforters? Fancy like pushy thingy inside the mattressy thing? No, I'm just a small person in a large bed. <laughs> and I'm just a small person in a large. It's great. Bed. Yeah. I hate sharing a bed with someone. An excellent girlfriend. Yeah, I hate sharing a bed with someone, and uh, and I, I sleep with a giant fan blowing on top of me. Okay. Um. So yeah. So two comforters, eight pillows, one of my dogs, and uh, a king size bed, and I sleep in any direction I want. Any direction. I I I, I feel that. Um. Bed cohabitation is hard. It's not an easy. It's not natural. It's, well, I don't know if it's not natural, but it certainly doesn't. I mean, what's natural in the human world? Sleeping on um, your own's natural. <laughs> uh, oh God, what's another good question? Um, if you had, if you could have any animal tail, what, Fo- foxtail, foxtail, hundred percent. And would you would you wear pants where your tail was like coming out of the top part of the pants through like a tail hole, or would you have it tucked into your pants? Or would you wrap it around your body? From what I know about tails is that they're pretty close to the butthole. Sure. So I don't think you'd We could want... have like a little fabric tube that sort of extends a little ways away and then but you're with gonna, a little you're Velcro. But you're going to get a breeze no, you're down not. the crack. Listen, you got to look at my plans. I've got some excellent mock-ups for this. It's going to be You could amazing. consult with some furries, maybe some local Hamiltonian furries <laughs> on what they do. You know? Oh, um, I don't think there's any wrong solution i would just be worried about the butthole to tail um proximity and you know how tight is that pant hole and is is it going to be rubbing and chafing on your tail in your butthole <laughs> they've solved this problem for other like human anatomy parts <gasps> well like the cr- whole crotch area is a massive problem but you it's can an cover engineering it. i can't just tuck in my plush foxtail it's just going to be like a big lump and it's going to get all sweaty no of course i would never ask you to tuck your tail that would be inhumane and honestly if i have a tail it's going to be there to signal things like i'm happy danger excitement happiness would you do foxes wag their tail yeah they wag yeah really i love foxes because they're like the they're like they took a cat and a dog and they just split the difference (laughs) Like cat eyes, dog body, sort of cat plus dog behavior. Next question. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to you. I think that's as, that's that as good as That was three questions. I know. Well, you, yeah, I know. You shorted me. So there. Well, you can answer some of your own questions. Uh, then if you what really... were you like in high school, Adrian? Uh, oh, my God. I, okay, so like I was um, like a, a headbanger, but like a headbanger hippie. So it was like. Dazed and confused. Uh, but not the jock thing, right? Like I was, I was like an art slash drama nerd okay. who was really into heavy metal, but dressed like he was from the '60s. So I'd like bell bottoms. You have and, bad acne. Uh, I had bad acne, and not I wouldn't call it bad. I had a little bit of acne when I was in like high, uh, junior high, but not high school. Who's your first celebrity crush? I knew this was going to come up first. Celebrity crush. First, 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 first. Like wow, that would have to be like 
I don't know. It would be this random girl from a German TV show when I was living there. <laughs> Uh, oh, yes, Gretel Schwarzman. You know what's so weird about this is because I really, 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 really was in love with this girl. And all I can remember now from the show is the scene from, I think, was one of the, like, you know, climactic end of the series uh, uh, episodes where they're in a helicopter and somebody goes down into this mountain and they're growing pineapples in the snow. And I'm like, I can find this show based on that because I found so many crazy things on the internet. Right. I can't find this thing. No. There is, however, very annoyingly, a show called Pineapples in the Snow, but it has nothing to do with the show that I loved. Okay. Uh, my first celebrity crush was Christian Slater. Uh, from what movie? I don't know. I was really young when he was really popular, so I don't really know what I... Maybe it was Untamed Heart? I don't know Maybe? I don't know. I just had, I, maybe I just knew him from like TV, but yeah. like him. Yeah. It was like my first, I was like, I remember on my sixth birthday, I saw a shooting star and I wish that I would marry Christian Slater when I was older. Were you one of those girls that had like posters of all the guys you loved nope. on your walls? No. Nope. I had one big poster of Jeff Buckley on my wall when I was a teenager. Yeah. And one poster of Sid Vicious. But that's almost like, was that more aspirational than... I mean, Jeff, both. Jeff uh, yeah, I mean, I wanted to be a heroin addict, like Sid Vicious. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, yeah. I didn't know. I, I was never really into like Tiger Beat and stuff like that. But I was just like, I want to marry Christian Slater when I'm older. And uh, yeah, you know what? I'd do it. You would marry him We're now? We're not that far apart in age. No? No, I don't think so. I mean, Are you still think he's that, that attractive? I think he's still very attractive. Okay. I don't know how old I'm willing to date this time. <laughs> I think he, he's probably married. He's uh, not into redheads, but maybe well, uh, maybe that's why I date actors. I don't know. Let's see if he comes out of the woodwork after this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him in Mr. Robot. Um, what part of the human face is your favorite? Uh, I... Re- uh, <laughs> Wow, what a weird question. What part of the human face? Does the neck count as part of the face? No. It has to be the facial, yeah. the facial face. Yeah. Does the ear count as an ear part of the face or is that yeah, behind yeah. the face? I'll allow that. You'll allow an ear, but not a neck. Yeah. Although an ear and a neck you ostensibly are fairly close. You're not your face. Okay. You don't say touch my face and you touch your neck. You touch I think your I, face. I think, you know what? I really appreciate a very elegantly shaped nose and nostrils. Yeah, I think nostril shapes are under underrated. Like they can be the worst part of a face. Like they can be very horrifying. I have a nostril story. Okay. My grandmother, my Nona, passed away. And she had a little sister who I didn't know. Um, and I found out that her little sister had died. And I went to her little sister's funeral. And I say little sister, but this lady was like 85 right. when she died. Yeah. And I looked in the casket and I was like, she has the family's nostrils. She has the same nostrils as my Nona. And the same. Mine are a little less pronounced because my nose isn't as pointy as theirs, but but same ankle, same shaped nostrils. Mm-hmm. And I was just, it was just such a weird thing to identify, be like, that's family. We have the same nostrils. That's interesting. Yeah. It was a weird, weird moment um, just to see a corpse and see that. Be like, yeah, same nostrils. Yeah. Sicilian nostrils. Um, my favorite part of the face would be it's different on guys than women. Okay. Uh guys have more pronounced brow bones. Yeah, there you go. He's pointing to his brow bones. Brow bones. Brow bones. Brow bone. I like I like brow bones on guys. Like that Neanderthal kind of bulge? Not like bulge, but just like a nice, a nice <laughs> bulgy a nice brow. bulgy brow. Uh, give me something. Yeah. What about those ones that come to a nice, like, pointed edge? In the the Chromag? No, I'm good. No, 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 no. The Chromag's like a bulge. It goes like this. I'm talking about like that scoop. That I think scoop. it's very romantic to kiss a man's brow if it's a nice brow. Yeah. Not eyebrow, but just brow bone. And on a woman, uh, cheekbones. Mm-hmm. Um, would you rather never be able to express yourself accurately or always have to say the exact truth? <laughs> I would uh, 100% up for the absolute truth. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would go crazy because sure. I feel like my life is the latter. I'm just trying to never express myself accurately. 
Um, how many questions was that? I don't know. We'll do. Uh, we'll we'll do. Actually, people sent us questions. Oh, good. Yeah. Wow. I think if it's still up, let's see if the post is still up. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, we're having some internet issues. Cool. Do 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 do. It's a musical break on the show. It's We're doing a musical, musical breakdown, break a musical breakdown, the musical break breakdown. Oh, it might have deleted it. <gasps> you didn't write them down and put them in a special little folder and like copy them over twice and have like a paper backup? <sighs> what a loser. God damn it. What a loser. Uh, somebody was asking when it's going to be on iTunes. I don't know, soon. We just kind of gave it to anchor.fm and then they were distributing it. Um, I just have to say the whole team there has been amazing to us. Thanks so much. Yeah, guys. thanks so much, guys. Yeah. You guys have been amazing. Unreal. That's sir, the customer service and just the level of professionalism. Oh, oh here's the questions. Uh, would you go out to lunch with me? <laughs> no. Who's paying? I don't go out to lunch with anyone. I don't like eating out food and stuff. I don't go out. Um, I feel like your music needs to be in a cool movie. How do you pitch it to a music supervisor? Uh, those words actually would work really well. I think my movie, my music would go really well in a cool movie. Yeah. Can you make that happen? Yeah. Can you? I'm not a music supervisor. <laughs> I don't know how to get to music supervisor. I would not want to be a music supervisor because like, hey, listen to my band. Yeah, Can you get it days, on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. Well, I mean, but seriously, I think it's like anything else. It's having relationships and treating people like human beings tiff is coming up i'm gonna sneak into some tiff parties and be like listen to my music it's dreamy um how short has your hair ever been i feel like this question is being directed towards me Mm -hmm. Uh, my hair has never been short not since i was born (laughs) yep yep (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anyone cares how short my hair has been have you ever shaved your head uh no um somebody wrote i love you more than myself not sure if that's directed towards you or me it's gonna be you yeah yep um somebody said hermosa argentinian flag argentinian flag argentinian flag argentinian flag i feel like it's more a statement than a question (laughs) yeah guys these are more statements than questions um if you could only watch three movies to get you in the halloween spirit what would they be uh, anything from the Harry Potter series. Um, I would say Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh man, what's that movie called? Uh, oh, there's a little anthology movie with a bunch of scary, but not like super, super scary movies. Fuck, what was it called? It's really good though. I can't remember what it was. Anyways, you go. Uh, Practical Magic. Right. As we were discussing. God damn it, I should have said that. The Witches of Eastwick. That's a great one. That's a great movie. Jack Nicholson. And I'm going to throw a curveball out there. There was like a 1978 Flintstones Halloween special. There you go. Did you know that Witches of Eastwick was directed by the same person who directed all the Mad Max movies? Who's also the same person who directed uh, that pig movie, whatever it's called. Babe. 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 Same one. And Jack Nicholson on that movie gave him some very key advice because he was actually a really, really nice guy. Not Jack Nicholson. I mean, maybe he's a nice guy, but (laughs) this director whose name I completely can't remember now, but it's going to come to me at some uh, key moment. Yeah. So he did all the Mad Max movies. He was used to doing like low budget movies in Australia under horrible desert conditions. So he's used to like working with his crew and being really accommodating and, and being just a generally nice guy who comes in under budget and does everything really well. So he's working on the wist- witches, the witches of Eastwick, uh-huh. and he just starts having the tougher and tougher time dealing with his producers and getting like little line items approved. Like maybe we can have like you know a couple grand more for lunches because it's a little skimpy. He's just like getting walls and walls and walls put up. He's like, I don't understand what's going on. At some point, like he's like, look, if you if there's a budget problem, I'll I'll forego having a trailer. Like just take my trailer away. I don't need it. I'm not spending any time in there anyways. So finally, Jack Nicholson takes this guy aside. He says, look. You're too much of a nice guy. This is not how things work in Hollywood. You have to be more of an asshole. You have to demand all these things, and then they start giving you more stuff. And he was like, really? And he didn't want it to be true, but he started testing out this theory, and it turns out it was true. But, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be a dick. Seattle. Uh Somebody said, what is a podcast? XD, 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 XD. We'll let you figure that one out. Um, our favorite poet wrote in, podcasts sound like 
Octa Elite. <laughs> that is one of the highest compliments that can be paid, I think, in any language. Thank you so much. Octa Elite. Thank yes. you so much. Yeah. Uh, can you make a metal album? Who? You. Uh, uh, what I, kind of metal album would you make? Because there's like so many subgenres of metal. Witchery. Witch. I wonder if there's a witch metal. There must be For witch sure, metal. For sure, a witch metal. Never heard of I mean, there's like Celtic Norwegian magic metal. Norwegian black Wiccan Ooh, metal. You don't want to get into the Norwegian scene. Those guys literally kill people. Maybe that's where I need to be. Oh, man. Uh, when is coming out? Those are all the questions. So um, not exactly the most... You know, there's there's two good questions in there. I like the metal question. I think there's a lot of statements. A lot of statements. A lot of statements. Yeah. It's like we're at a film uh, Q&A. We're at a Q&A. Hi, I don't have a question, but yeah. I just want to say that my opinion on this is this. Yeah. Uh, people- no, it's, it's like this. It's like, uh, this is more of a statement than a question. So my name is uh, Fred Jones, and I've been working on my own uh, screenplay for about three, five if years. If I were, and- you've you've done Q&As, you've hosted stuff. You, you were with Hans Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. I would just have a big button and like the person would be like, hi, I don't have a question. Uh, nope. It's more of a, <laughs> and nope. then they keep trying. I'm making a film. They just keep going yeah. and going yeah. until they sit down. Well, what's amazing about these people is I think they probably just blow through that because there is in every case a palpable shifting and sighing, coughing and not inaudible words of frustration voiced by members of the audience during those situations. And they just don't care. They're shameless. Yeah, I um yeah. There's a lot of statements made towards me. So people, if you're ever in a QA situation, don't be that person. Just ask a question. Or don't be the girl who's like, Hi, like I just wanna say like I love you and like I I'm oh. never gonna yeah, I, I if you wanna say you love me. You know what me, they're doing? They're trying good. to elicit a hug from that person. They're trying to get so like emotional and flesh like, I just I love you and I just wanna like I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I don't actually have a question. I don't have a question. It's just, I'm just, nah. well, Maybe if I did have a question, is why do I love you so much? I was, I got into a loop of Leonardo DiCaprio interviews from 1991 until present. And there's just all these weird, because I was watching the trailer for Marvin's Room, which is a movie I want to see that he's in from 1994. Anyway, it's just all, it's just like watching him on Oprah in like 1998 during the titanic craziness people are losing it losing it and they're just like um so like i'm just wondering like do you think you'll like settle down and like get married and have kids and he was like smiling at the camera and he's like no <laughs> he's just like no and they're like oh, okay thanks thanks i love you thanks like, just, <laughs> sorry i just do such a good impression Aww. of like the nervous heterosexual woman in front of a celebrity. And then I would just like lean over and be like, he has her pace. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Oh boy. Just, I don't know. Just ruin things for people, you know? Yeah. That's a full time. That's a full time gig. My my advice to women, if they want to get over a guy is just to make up really bad stuff about them in their head. Like he dates underaged women. You don't need them. Wow. Like a rumor mill. Like you, you're starting to like no. put this stuff. Oh, it's for yourself. It's for yourself. It's your internal rumor yourself. mill. Yourself. We're not talking about yeah. any actors, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just saying like, you want to get over somebody like, you know, saying like, oh, they date 15 year old girls. You're like, yeah, that's no, I'm good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> not fair to the person, but that's just an internal lie you tell yourself so that sure. you can be like, you know what? Let's put this into perspective. Or, you know, if you're really nervous, you know that saying, <laughs> I should not be allowed to date. You know that saying that um, if you're nervous, just imagine everyone naked? Yep. It's a horrible, that just makes me more uncomfortable. If you're like nervous around somebody, like if you're going on a date with them or um, just have some type of like complex, impurity complex, just imagine them pooping. Right. Yeah, that would do it. People are so vulnerable when they poop. <laughs> You can do anything to you them. know. If you were like, if I was like nervous and I was going to meet Brad Pitt for, I don't know, an interview for something, I just and I was like really nervous about it. I would just be like, he poops just like the rest of us, you know. I wonder though. No, you don't think so? I don't think he does. There's just like little pellets. That <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's just like you know. I think it's somehow uh, 
mystically removed from his body. Mystically removed. Yeah. If like, anything even goes in, it may be that Brad Pitt doesn't even require eating or any kind of like awesome. metabolism. Wouldn't surprise me. You wouldn't miss eating? No. Mm. I'm not a food person. Mm. I'm like Garfield. I'm ginger. I don't like mornings. Garfield uh, loves food more than anything. That's like his I like main lasagna. brand. I like lasagna. I thought okay. we talked about this. Well, you just said you don't like food. So. So, lasagna is a pretty foody food. Let's just go back for a second before we exit here. I'm a ginger like yep. Garfield. Uh, don't like mornings. I sleep in a large box with yep. a blanket. <laughs> a, uh, I like lasagna. And I live in a house with a guy named John and a dog named Otis. Two of those things are not true. Right. Which ones are they, ladies and gentlemen? Find out no. next time on Unsolved Melodies. Unsolved Melodies. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.